1: Good evening, creatures of the crepuscular. Your ghoulish but gracious host, Andrew kinnon Bulger, extends an icy hand of welcome from the cryptic confines of the underworld, or as the mortals like to call it, my dressing room at New World Stages. You've just unearthed another episode of Dracula, the podcastula, the official companion podcast of the new off-Broadway sensation Dracula, A Comedy of Terrors. Each creepy chapter, we cast the spotlight on the lurking legends and mysterious misfits that haunt our hallowed halls. Prepare for ghastly giggles, terrifying tales, and an unwavering journey into the soul of Off-Broadway's most diabolically delightful comedy. Hold your crucifix close and your garlic closer, for in the shadows that follow, both humor and horror lurk hand in hand. Today I am chilled and thrilled to welcome Ellen Harvey to the Podcastula, a star who shone brightly on Broadway stages alongside Kevin Kline in Present Laughter, Daniel Radcliffe in How to Succeed in Business, Phantom of the Opera, The Music Man, and Thou Shalt Not, on tour in Mary Poppins, High School Musical, and Mamma Mia, on TV in We Crashed, House of Cards, Blacklist, Gotham, and Younger. But I know her every night as flip-flopping between the characters Dr. Westfeld and Renfield. Please welcome Welcome, Ellen Harvey.
2: Hi. Oh, Ellen. Hi, Andrew.
1: so happy to have you on the pod. <laughs> I'm so
2: thrilled to be here.
1: I'm really excited to have you as a guest because we've known each other for years. And we've
2: done this before. I know. In 2009. Isn't
1: that wild? Before I...
2: podcasts were a thing. Truly, truly. <laughs> you were one of like
1: my first collaborators when it comes to like online Viral content. Yeah. We we created a whole bunch of videos together. We were on the Mary Poppins tour. Um, just like a topical little comedy videos. We we also uh, we played like meta versions of ourselves in a in a web series. Yes, yes. And I totally have interviewed you for one of my like early days yes. of blogging. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I remember it very clearly in my dressing room at, at the yeah. at the Amundsen. At the Amundsen. Okay, yeah. Amundsen. So it,
1: it's very full circle. I'm so glad to have you. Yeah, I. Um one thing that I love about our show is these iconic characters from Dracula are being totally reimagined. And that pertains to age, gender, sexuality, you name it. Um, And I think even for your role, did I hear that they also auditioned
2: men for your character? Is that right? Well, the in the original production that was commissioned for Malts, mm-hmm. it was played by a man.
1: Oh, wow. And okay. then they
2: sort of thought, well, it's kind of male heavy. Let's yeah. see what happens if we actually flip this gender, too, for this particular track. So the last two incarnations, um, it was... Uh, done with a female. Yeah, and I think from what I understand is that they went ahead with the new, this newer version of the script that we're doing here at mm-hmm. New World Stages. They thought let's just bring in a man again and see if that actually is still better the way we had thought it was. Yeah, and uh, and I beat out all the men. So, anyways,
1: <laughs> Ellen Harvey better than every man in New York. No, no. <laughs> but also, kind
0: of.
1: <laughs> um, what has that been like? Um playing a man for the entire show. Have you have you noticed well, things that you've approached it differently than when you would play a female character?
2: You know, uh, the thing for me, I, I, somebody said, it's like, how do you play a man? And I said, well, I'm not playing a man. I am playing someone with very specific viewpoints, ideals, uh, especially because we are in a period show. Uh, There are constraints and confines both structurally in costume and in society. So if you layer all of that stuff on and take the POV of someone at that time, and for me mostly it was also finding it in the voice. It's placing it lower than my normal voice and of course the dialect helps immensely to create a character as well. So I, I, I never thought of it as like, oh now I have to find out how to play a man. I just played it as a very serious Monty Python actor. I mean, it's just that's kind of how I just thought of it.
1: It it is really it's something to behold, y'all. And I think more than anyone in this show, you flip-flop from character to character, particularly from Renfield to Dr. Westfeld, sometimes line to line. How did you ensure these characters were distinctly different to create a noticeable shift? And how do you, did you have to go about practicing that shift? Because it is seamless to us.
2: <laughs> well, you were in rehearsal, so you did see all the actual technical, <laughs> physical things that I went through. First, as a as a performer and as an ex-dancer, taking very care of my body mm-hmm. in being able to do these things fast, efficiently, and safely was my big thing. And yeah. so if you haven't seen the show, there are moments where I literally changed character on stage in front of you. But I wanted to find placements that, that felt that I could move out of quickly and move into the next. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of the reason of Renfield being uh, very lower down than me, a little more concave than I am, sort of hunkering into his chest. Yeah. So when I stand up straight and tall as the doctor, it ends, the energy sends up as well. So that physical adjustment was incredibly important for me. And also having a placement of the voice that was different enough that a quick flip into a different register would also be easy yeah so it was it's very technical and I and it took me uh, it took us over the rehearsal process and even through tech a little bit to really feel like oh yes now I have figured out the rhythm of this now I know how to do it safely and keep my voice safe and um yeah it's it's intense
1: <laughs> were you practicing these lines in the shower
2: <laughs> I you know what the the lines that I would constantly drill before like when we would come to rehearsal mm-hmm. and before we would start rehearsals I would drill over and over in the dressing room where they, the the on stage exchange yeah because it's like I, I'm changing, I, I am changing character so fast as I spin upon myself that I don't even really have time to register what's being said to me from you or Arnie or anyone. I'm literally doing my own monologue in my head about I'm up and I'm down, I'm up and I'm down. And so it's only now that we've been running for a while that I can actually take you guys in in that scene because it's, it is, it's. I approached it like a dance number.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: And I made sure that my shoes were safe enough to do it. I made sure that I had the proper, like everything was solid because it's, it's, it really was choreography to me and figuring it out.
1: Folks, if you are listening right now and you have not seen it, get your tickets now because you're watching an onstage magic trick literally done by an actor. Um, It's, it's really incredible. Ah, the haunting howl of a distant wolf beckons us to another round of cryptic confessions. Tales from the Dressing Tomb. Mm-hmm. Ellen, in the absolute organized chaos that is our show,
2: have there been any onstage mishaps that linger in your memory? Oh. um, I feel like I don't even have a moment to relax. Like, I'm literally, it's like, my focus has to be so laser beam in all of this that it's like... The building could be on fire and I'd still be focused like a like a dog on a bone. Like, i I'm, yeah. I'm going I'm to do this. I've got to do this.
1: I remember one day you did not have a Renfield wig for whatever reason. Oh, yes. Like you're change absolutely right.
2: Yes. One day that the wig handoff did not happen for the very quick change where I do it on stage. So I used my fingers as pretend fringe of bangs of a wig. <laughs> and I literally... It was the weirdest oh thing, God. and I was like, there's nothing else I can do but pretend I have a wig with my—I oh my made my hand a wig, basically. <laughs> yes. I,
1: I also feel like if we had to rate the cast in how likely we are to break on stage, I think James and I are at the far end on the lowest really? rung of, like, really? most really? likely. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and Ellen, without question, you are at the very top. I have I've known you for over a decade, and I— have seen you break on stage slightly once, and it was just a corner of a smile <laughs> in the corner, see <laughs> corner of your <laughs> mouth. No, you are like a true, <laughs> true professional. Ooh. Oh, that ghostly bellow signals the arrival of the segment Backstage Booze, where our guest shares eerie encounters and mysterious
2: happenings they might have experienced. Ellen, do you have any mm. spooky stories? Well, I I've told this story once that I was very, very close. It's not really that scary, but I was very, very close to my Swedish grandmother. During any show I have ever done, at some point when I look into the back of the house, I see her.
1: Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. Um,
2: and I just know that she's always there. She is always looking over me and always watching. And it's not even a conscious thing. I'll just sort of quickly look. You know, when you're doing yeah. a scene and you're looking out and all of a sudden I'm very aware that there is a shape that is very much like her in the back of the house standing there. Wow. And it's just only for a brief moment. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. Do you feel like
1: you are... I feel like some people say they are more sensitive to, like, the otherworldly?
2: I would say, uh, yes. I think empathic people automatically have a, have, a, have a bit of more sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But I actually, when the house that I grew up um, in was a three-story Victorian house, and it was haunted and documented and part of the whole legend of the house and in newspapers. And so I grew up around sounds and spirits and forms. And my father once had a run in with one of the ghosts in the house. She decided she wanted to spray her perfume up in their room, and I mean, it's we we had a lot of things. My closet door used to open when I was a kid, and I would fly out of the <gasps> door and scream for my parents. And yeah, we had a lot of stuff. But, oh my gosh, I have chills. But but um, but you got used to them because they felt like they were more protective than they were, you know, diabolical. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think that well, I think if you're open to it and you're sort of aware of it that there are things that exist on a different plane than we do. Yeah. I think that you will then end up seeing things and be and be aware of it.
1: That is so fascinating. I feel like the, <laughs> your empathy has led you to be perceptive to ghosts and also a great character actress.
0: <laughs> okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. <sighs> At LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Hark! The Banshee wails, and so arrives some fang mail from our ever-curious fans. It's Ethan Warren asks, I'm playing Dr. Westfeld in my school's production of Dracula. Do you have any
2: tips for a decent accent? Oh, Ethan, good question. Um, well, I, I, I... I like to think that it is Dr. Westfeld is the standard British, what they call RP. Um, He's that upper crust. He's that stuffy. You could listen or watch episodes of Downton Abbey. Um, You could certainly watch some old Monty Python sketches Mm -hmm. and sort of get that kind of stiff upper lip, upper crust British accent. But it is definitely what they would call RP. So you can look up some uh, YouTube videos of that and listen to that as well. But have a great time. Yeah, break
1: legs, Ethan. Marissa Hale7 asks, if you had to pick, would you rather have a ghost roommate or live in a treehouse?
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Those are the only two choices. Okay,
2: I would like to live in a treehouse. Okay. Because um, I love being outside, I love nature. If I could have a little cabin in the woods, it would be my dream. But if it's got to be a house in a tree, I'll take that too. Oh,
1: my. Um, Cosmic Jellybean42 asks,
2: Midnight snack after the show? Oh, what is my favorite midnight snack? You know, I have been experimenting with snacks (laughs) because as because this show is so active, obviously, we can't really eat a full meal before the show. You eat kind of, or at least I do. I eat just enough to give me the energy to get through the show. And Mm -hmm. then when we're done, we're all kind of hungry. Um, I have tried everything from like, um, let's see, go home and have some, you know, like cheese and crackers, or I've had a salad. Um, My new favorite thing has been roasting some cauliflower, and then I come home and Mm -hmm. have like some yummy, tasty cauliflower, but it's not too heavy, so I can still sleep well, and it's nourishing. So
1: delicious. I feel like I come home and I pour myself a big old... Bowl of chips and then I put
2: hot sauce on it. Oh my god, that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, I have
1: not. I have not fallen into. The I mean, Ellen Harvey, I want like, taking care of my body yet? What I
2: want what I want to eat is a giant <laughs> bowl of guacamole and Ugh. chips and like a quesadilla? I mean, I like, I would love to have all this spicy, amazing food, and I'm like, no, you got to be good. Oh,
1: I have not shown that restraint yet.
2: <laughs> Eventually, I think
1: you know we're more than a month into the run. I feel like I should probably be taking better care of myself. But mm, no, you're. Well now, Halloween is upon us and like I'm next we're
2: gonna have some just candy everywhere. That's right. We're gonna be showering showered ourselves in candy.
1: <laughs> Lila Brentwood asks, you've just found a genie's lamp backstage. Mm-hmm. What's your first theatrical wish?
2: Wow. Um that the government would provide some funding and arts for supporting regional theaters across the country. That part. That part. Yep. I mean, I can be selfish and say, "Oh, I want to do this or want to do something," but on a whole, I really want our art form to survive, and um, we need we need support and we need love from communities, and we could use a little national endowment of the arts funding too. Mm-hmm. So that and would be my genie lamp
1: that it exists in a place that's not within a ten block radius of one city on one coast. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, good answer. <laughs> Now the night beckons us to another vampiral moment of the week. This is the part of the show, dear listeners, that has a video component. So head on over to our sinister socials at Dracula the Podcastula, where this auditory haunting gains a visual companion. Okay, Ellen, it's game time. We're playing Monster Mashup. In this bowl, I've got names of iconic monsters. We have 60 seconds to describe as many monsters as possible to each other without saying their names, trying to get each other to guess correctly. Are you ready to dive in? Okay, yeah. And go. A werewolf? Oh, uh, it's like a dragon creature that lives in Scotland in a lake. Loch Ness Monster. Yes.
2: Uh eight uh um Tokyo.
1: Oh, uh, Godzilla. <laughs> How did I get that? Oh, um it's the character in the saw movies. He has like a crazy face. It's also in uh, a puzzle. It's a type of puzzle, like the Jigsaw. property. Yes. Um
2: uh oh, uh has a jack-o'-lantern for uh, a a f- The Headless face. Horseman? Yep.
1: Oh, uh the bride of
2: uh Frankenstein. A uh, movie about little furry things that run around all over Gremlin. the
1: place. <laughs> oh, uh, the name of our show.
2: Oh, Dracula. Oh, uh, from... Oh, uh, oh. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not a nickel or a dime, it's a...
1: Penny? Pennywise? Yes. The clown? Um, oh, you were in this! It's a musical, uh, this.
2: Oh, Phantom of the Opera. Yes. A phantom. Uh, oh, um... Halloween! no, Yes. that was the wrong one, sorry, okay no that is Halloween, isn't it? yes, but I did the wrong movie oh uh, he, uh, uh, it's a certain day, oh, it's what yesterday was
1: Friday the 13th, it's, uh, Jason, Jason Voorhees yes, yes amazing okay, we're probably good, we're probably good Alas, dear ghoul friends and booze, another blood-curdling broadcast of Dracula the Podcastula dissipates into the bewitching breeze. Abundant applause to Ellen Harvey for dancing in the dark with us tonight. You can follow her at Ellen Harvey NYC. As always, you can stalk me, your host, at Kenan Blogger, our hauntingly hilarious show at Dracula Comedy, and of course, the podcast at Dracula the Podcastula. If tonight's tales of terror tingled your spine, carve out a moment to pen us a review. These really help. And for those with an insatiable hunger for more hair-raising hilarity, soar on over to DraculaComedy.com. Fear not the quiet, for our eerie echoes will return with the next moon's rise. Until then, dear listeners, see you in the shadows. If you've made it this far in the episode, thanks again for listening. It must mean that, unlike Dracula themselves, this doesn't suck, and you must enjoy my biting humor. Make sure to share this with your friends,
0: and to leave a 5-star review. Until next time...